hey, Darkstream motherfucking oh. podcast. Motherfucking Darkstream podcast. Fuck. <laughs> I'm Darth Camgen Tace. I got that right, at least. <laughs> motherfucking, yeah, in the house and things. Oh, Darth Zero? Yo. And Darth Rictus. So, today, starting out, uh, just a brief overview here on the meta. What are we seeing in terms of the archetypes? We've been playing more than a few games this week. Well, Mono Black has been a fairly popular one I've seen out there where it's Shieldred, of course, along with Invokes and then a bunch of removal and your good stuff. Typical Sleeper Agent, uh, Graveyard Trespasser, missing a card. Aren't we all? Raven Man, there we go. So Who that, can forget the Raven Man? <laughs> so the, the question is, at, at the end of uh, our tuning of Mono Black, we decided no Meat Hooks main are necessary and no Cutdowns main are necessary, but for Duress is where we went. And it was pretty successful. I, I messed with it a little bit after that and grinded up a quick 3-0 in the uh, ranked in Diamond, right? Do we think that the format's getting to a place where for Duress in the main is a valid place to be? Last I checked, if I were in Mono Black, I'd probably still consider it but i'm starting to see other shit that's a lot more creature heavy and and playing the big game what are we talking about there like esper okay. actually runs a shitload of creatures and the duresses can catch the wandering emperor which is kind of cool because you usually know when they're going to deploy it oh yeah they make it super obvious but also if you want to if, if they've got four mana up they just deploy it in response and then you got to be able to snag something else so you kind of got to do it before that yeah, but if you can hit it in time, you can also take the wedding announcements usually, right? That's true. That's true. So they've, they've got a few different options there. They've I've got some, but they're the ones, the Esper decks I played against are super creature-based. They're even playing the really cool Gravedigger, the Orzov one. Oh. Or it is by the time you kick it and play it proper. Right. Right, right. The Friction Missionary. Interestingly, I Friction keep only missionary. seeing that. Uh, it's can we just call it Friction Doggy style and like build a deck Everyone with just that gets and the like joke. Tenacious Underdog and... I know you don't really need those cards together, but, you know. Missionary plus dog, yeah, doggy style. Missionary and doggy style are kind of coming from opposite directions. <laughs> There's going to be so much more of that. So many cards. This is the broiest set that i can, can we also note that missionary gives you life, but doggy style takes it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have to pay life for T-Dog. Judges? <laughs> Some people enjoy paying life. <laughs> Uh, with, uh, with Esper, I have found that I haven't run into the mid-ranges at all. I keep running into control, like hardcore, pure control. Their closest thing to a creature in the deck is the token they get off of Reckon or back, uh, Bankbuster. So we're talking Azorius control? No, Esper. Esper control. So we're, we're talking in the versions with Disdainful Strokes, Make Disappears, Rolla's Vortex. Uh, there's a three casting cost counter. If you cast your second spell, it becomes a normal counter spell. Urtai's Meddling or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's like um, Urtai's Meddling, Urtai's Scorn, something like that. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's like the weird revert. They they redid uh, was it Admiral's Order? Remember that? That was a thing for fish for a while. Is the yo ho ho counterspell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one that was like one blue mana as long as you'd swung that turn. You remember? I think you had to play it. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the the, that, the you attacked ability? Yeah. raid or something. Yeah, if you had raid, that was one mana, and they redid that in this set with Urtai, and they made it so it's one mana if it's the second spell cast. Okay. So, I, yeah, I can see where that's valid because that three-mana counterspell, you're fine doing that. It's just neutralized or cancel or whatever the fuck, but sometimes it's better than counterspell. <laughs> and on top of that, then they're running the... If your opponent's drawn four cards, this costs three blue less. Otherwise, it's three blue X drives card cards. That card is so cool. I, I forgot about that until just now. I still want to fuck with that card. Even the score? 
Are we talking about no, that? No, no, no. It's it's like triple blue X uh, draw X. But if your opponent played or no, if your opponent drew four cards this turn, you don't pay the triple blue. It's just X draw X cards. Yep. Yeah, that's even the score. Oh, oh, whatever. But with those things, what I found was Duress's Liliana's just abysmal against them. They they outdraw everything. The way you beat them is just uh, attack, attack. Did you get farewell? Did my duress at the right time to get your farewell? Otherwise, okay, bye. So is Obnixilis a good uh, choice to deal with them as well? Between Obnix and Lily, like that mixture of walkers to get around farewell? and I think Lily's a waste of time, but I think Obnix because it can deal damage is a thing. Okay, you can clock them harder. That makes sense. It, it makes it rough for the mono black decks, but I assume that's what they're designed to beat. Because mono black has been huge lately, and that makes sense. It's the easiest go-to deck to play and craft in this format. It's kind of weird because the two big card advantage spells mm. are farewell and invoke despair. Yeah. And they just come from way different angles. They do. So like if you're trying to beat farewell, you play planeswalkers, but then you get invoked and you feel like a fucking clown. Yeah. And mono black's like already kind of preset to beat aggro, which has kept most of the aggro decks out of the format that normally trouble the farewell decks. I saw more than a few streamers that were like, oh, we'll just play mono red. And I'm like, oh, that's such a bad move. And sure enough, it's like the mono black player just basic curves them, right? T-Dog, Trespasser, Shieldred, Invoker, Meat Hook, game every time. The fuck are you going to do to beat that curve with mono red? You can't. You just can't. There's, there's not comparable cards in red right now. So the aggro has been pushed out pretty heavily. And I haven't, I haven't seen a good aggro deck at all in a while have, have you guys seen anything aggro in a minute i think last week i saw a red <laughs> okay a, a red deck it lost terribly the most aggro <laughs> deck i've seen in the last few days was somebody trying to get under me with little thrag tusks interesting so workshop war chiefs yeah which is that's the most aggro deck i've seen so far i guess i could call the the green black rock deck an aggro deck since it's flop creatures at four reckoner bank busters four tertiary stompers whatever that card's called yeah, we might have to reconsider our definition of aggro in this format yeah because aggro yeah in like a 1998 kind of way is here's my mountains i'm going to attack you and then like shock shock or fucking bolt bolt whatever was like turn one creature turn two creature creature right turn right three. curve 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 kill you by like turn four or maybe have some reach into turn seven if i've got some game and it's game two but like I think aggro anymore just means my plan for winning is attacking you with creatures before your game plan happens. An incidental grind versus the mid-ranges that are, I'm going to grind, grind, grind eventually. So Turn for, 9, 10. <laughs> so if we're, we're setting up the top four decks in the format, from what I understand and what I've seen, we have Mono Black Control taking a significant portion. We have uh, Esper in a few different variants running around. We've got the Blue-White pure control builds running around and then i've seen obviously we tuned up jundry animator and that felt pretty damn powerful as well do we have any archetypes outside of those four that we consider in the tier one atmosphere like is grixis with Solkinar or without with evelyn with with neither you know like these different variants do you think any of them are tier one i think they're waiting to be discovered yeah i think you know some of these decks are a lot more obvious sure the sure. Jun deck is a lot more obvious. Anything that's building off of the old Rakdos is is more obvious. Sure. Or like the old um, Esper deck. 
So we're seeing some kind of remakes of last year. Your microphone's like oriented the wrong way. There we go. Okay. So we're, we're seeing flavors of last year coming back. Well, you see that every time though. Right. There's a rotation. There's enough pieces of the old decks to basically build them again with some of the new pieces. And hey, that works because it worked before, but there's entirely new archetypes that have to be figured out. Mm. And we have really fucking powerful cards that we haven't really figured out how to play with them yet. We just started to sort through Raven Man this week. And that was a hell of a breakthrough, honestly. That card single-handedly took down, what What did you say, like 17 points in the game or something? I didn't keep track, but it was a lot. It was at least half their life. We used uh, the Ravens with uh, one on one of our matches, took 11. Jesus. And that's just incidental. That's, you know, he just sits there and does some work while you go up the curve, and they ignore it, trying to go up their curve, and sometimes it just does that shit. The new Rakdos deck is, uh, they run three Ravens man main. That makes sense. I mean, in a world of fable, Raven Man runs pretty hot. It's also pretty good when you're going to do like a turn three Obnixilis to just pop off the legend when you've got another in hand anyway. Oh, true. 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 I haven't seen a Rakdos build I've liked yet. I've seen two or three that I've tried, but in every instance, I felt like Mono Black or Jund would have been stronger. And the Jund mana is almost the same as the Rakdos mana, really, when you get down to it. They, they don't. Like, is the mana base technically different? Yes, but are both of them able to hit the same number of sources they need for two versus three colors? Also, yes. Because of the Rifter's Outlook and the Zeatar Proving Ground, you have essentially the same level of mana base rolling through. And Rakdos is a little more awkward, in my opinion, because you only get the Sulphur Springs and the Haunted Ridges, which isn't enough to fully correct. We just throw in the Jun Cycly land there, because, oh, that's my come-into-play tapped land that I can cycle. whoop de doo there's your 12. Right, but the question is, if you're already doing that, you're, I mean, just shift a few more basics over to Carpluz and Forests, et cetera, and you're in Jun now. Like, what's the what's the incentive not to go into green at that point? You don't want to take more pain. You yep. don't want to have more lands that you can stumble on. You get invokes that way. You do get invokes. I'm sure there's a way to make Jund work It's for easier invoke, to hit your curve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. I mean, we don't have the Lawnower Wastes yet, otherwise we could run Invoke and Jund. We're, we're missing just a few of those lands that we really want. I've, I'm waiting for Underground Rivers and Lawnower Wastes so heavily right now, because the moment we get Underground River, Esper gets access to Invokes, which will be very interesting to have that at the top of their curve if they want it. If we get to the point where Esper is running Invoke, they're running so much pain, aggro, aggro the traditional definition, might be able to jump back in. What does the blue invoke do again? Is it just gain control of a permanent and untap it? Not permanent. Creature or enchantment, I believe. Creature or enchantment. It's either enchantment or artifact. I can't remember, but yeah, it's it's creature or one of those two. And then you untap it for blue, 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 one. That just sounds mopey compared to some of the other ones. Well, the, the two good ones are invoke justice and invoke despair. And then the red ones used in some combo back in the day. It was the mill deck combo. The but green invoke makes... Two fucking stacked ass creatures. It does. It does. It's got some power too. The blue one's definitely the mopiest of all of them. Although the green creatures just fucking die to Shieldred. Yep. That's the problem. Shieldred outclassed that invoke by itself. And there's not really a way through that. So we're looking at this meta, and, and obviously the four we've already mentioned Esper, uh, I'm just going to call it Esper Coward as we continue. Uh, Jundry Animator, Mono Black Control, and. Uh, Azorius control. 
Those are running around. We've got Rakdos and Grixis on the fringes. There's Boros reanimator running around. There's that Naya reanimator build that beat us that looked really cool. Green, with, black, rock, white, black, mid. Yeah, I've seen Orzhov running around quite a bit as well. Um, I haven't seen much else outside of those. Like It's about 8 to 12 decks are, are all I've really seen lately. I also want to point out that 3-3 three, three crate. Three three creatures are kind of safe in this format. Like the lightning strike, a braid stuff isn't seeing a lot of action, and most of it is either unconditional removal at more mana or life, or the the one mana shit that won't get something that's a three three. That makes a lot of sense to me. Graveyard Trespasser did a, a number on everybody. You know, I mean, what I mean? just because the the our thought or our fatal push won't kill a three three. Yeah, yeah, the cut down's not hitting. That's a big deal. And that's, if you're not cutting down, you go up the curve and it's the Infernal Grasp, which isn't seeing a shitload of play outside of Mono Black in my experience. Yeah, it's not the deal you want with all the pain lands. So if you're not Mono Black, then it's a little too much pain a lot yeah, of the, the time. The life loss definitely adds up. And, and then on that curve, we get to the, the Lightning Strike and whatever variants are available. But I'm not seeing those played. Infernal Grasp honestly reminds me of the Thoughtseize logic we had when we were playing Rakdos Midrange and Explorer, um, where it's it's just there's too many targets for it at a certain point in some of these matchups. So it's a question of do you want to side it out because the life loss becomes relevant quickly in a world of shielded and invokes or not. I, I don't know because it is removal and it's hard removal for other shieldreds, but similarly, you, you kind of just want to push up the curve into soul transfers whenever you can at that point. Because exile is so much more, uh, so much more potent against sure. the world with reanimation. Full transfer is hella good, but a part of the observation about three threes though mm. is that kind of I think as a heuristic we're used to those not being good enough because they're too easy to kill. Yeah, and I think we're in a unique standard where three threes are going to be better than they were in previous years because at least right now people aren't playing cards at curve that kill them. They also make sure fables don't swing through those tokens which is a big deal right now as well like yeah. keeping fable in check is worth doing because those go nuts if you don't so what uh what do you think is the dominant architect like we have four that we're calling shieldred. tier one <laughs> shieldred yeah are, are we talking mono black esper or uh john because all run shieldred i don't think there's a an established list for any of these archetypes i've been going through wildly different permutations of john in 24 hours sure. and uh darth zero and i were having a discussion about john this afternoon about possible pathways that we were like kind of thinking through or i guess having a thought experiment about one of them being like topiary stompers yeah. and what's the thing called bank buster bank buster and getting some advantage that way. And then the other one was, I don't remember what. Well, I think the main thing I remembered out of that conversation coming up was every time we started working around, okay, so here's the deck. Here's we're working down. Wait, why aren't we just running this? Well, if we're just running this, why aren't we running this? And oh no, and now we're back to this again. Right. The other one was Obnixilis. There we go. Yeah. Cause we we're talking about trying decks that were not chunned, but were two colors, two of those colors. And it always just came back to chunned. Because sure. it just rotates back through. But kind of the question is, what do you do on the low end of that curve? Because the high end is sort of set in stone. Titan's the biggest game right now. Right. So you're doing Titan. That means you're doing the Cruelty of Grix or Gix. And that means you're doing Shieldred because come on. And sure. <laughs> that means you're doing uh, Fable because come on. Right. 
All right, so that and some lands, and then, then there's like the low part of the curve and a little bit of removal to sort out. But the low part of the curve, you can just snap in and out different pieces, which is why I sort of like, would it be better to try the topiary thing that's the 4-4 that gets you shit and can crew your bank buster to be blocking or attacking? Or to go with a plan where it's low curve creatures that can come out of the gates pretty aggro, but also sack pretty well to uh, Obnixilis so that your early game is Obnixilis. Whatever it is that you're doing early game to, to fuck with them really hard or just spring you into the late game. So the idea would be more like tenacious underdogs into obs. Yeah, maybe. And, but the point is like, those are just two ideas. I tried werewolves, you know, I tried bottom curve werewolves. It didn't work out very well, but I, I just wanted to give it a crack. And I think there's other shit that's available. Like we were talking about having a revelation about Raven man. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of other cards that are new and there's a lot of other cards that came out in the last year that weren't good enough until just recently. Cause in a way we sort of had like, four sets rotate in sure sure so let's let's talk about the jund evolution we started with uh croaky's list we had soul of wind grace we had teachings of kieran and we we shifted out of that pretty quickly and i just want to talk about why we shifted away from specifically teachings of kieran and soul of wind grace those were the two big shifts as i could tell in how we we took the archetype and teachings was immensely overrated the, the problem with the card was the milling early was not as effective when everyone's on either hating grave plan or using grave plan so all you're doing is running a gamble it's other abilities creating the one one and putting a plus one plus one on is probably the best thing about it so you could chump the opponent's kiki token or whatever the tokens is as fables going along okay so so teachings overrated um it was originally kind of set up to enable the reanimation engine get you going set up some early chumper slash sack outlets in case they lilied you early um but like you mentioned people are running graveyard hate in the main they're also running cruelty of gix and sometimes you mill them into their combo i think that people thought of the card as a stitcher supplier mm. and just yeah of course you're a reanimator throw that thing down it jumps it's great it attacks they block it it's great incidental wins and the card just doesn't have those effects to it fair fair um what about soul of wind grace we we shifted that over to unleash the infernos and shieldreds what was the point of soul of wind grace in the in the archetype in your opinion i think it looks like it has text but it doesn't I precisely <laughs> it's it's a i don't know it's kind of like topiary but at four mana and harder to cast i don't know so it just it's just a five four it's a five four it gets you a land but doesn't ramp you enough to get to your titan like now right um you're not trying to get to six unless i i could see doing it if you wanted to get to the siege rhino variant the workshop guy or if you're trying to get to like tovalar Huntmaster, maybe yeah yeah if, if we're trying to go from four to six it makes sense but we're trying to go to seven to seven and we're going to get to five next turn anyway because we're playing a kajillion lands right so I've, in some decks it has text in that decks I don't in that deck I don't think it does. We also pretty much always have uses for our mana. Sure. That card really wants you to play excess lands or have a way to recur lands to your hand so you can discard them for neat effects. And maybe I pitched them to a Blood Token or Kiki, but other than that, I put them in play. I want to have seven lands in play. So he Solvin Grace got the axe. We put Shieldreds in in place. We also started messing around and evolving into Unleash the Inferno. So what was the point of, we went up, we're at four, Unleash the Inferno. Is that the, that's the Jund Ultimatum, right? Yeah, we, we decided to call that Jund Ultimatum. It's too much to remember. remember. The name. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So what, 
Why is Unleash the Inferno a key part of the evolution of this deck right now? Mainly because you are getting a straight up two for one for it. It's uh, it's your old school Jund Cascade type card. You're getting to do something and something else on top of it. Yeah, it's 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 got Blood Braid Elf energy for sure. It's got that BBE, you know. Um, <laughs> BBE. Yeah, it's got that BBE. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Unleash the Inferno has that BBE. That you heard BBE it here now. first. Hot take of the day. <laughs> that BBE, yo. Okay. Credit okay. where credit's due on the card, too. Getting rid of artifacts and enchantments is a huge part of this standard. Everyone and Except their mother black. is running artifacts and enchantments. It's, it's, it's kind of bad against mono black. Against yeah. mono black, if they've got some vehicles, you can snag it. But mostly, when I'm looking at threats on the other end of the battlefield from mono black, it's like, creature creature Liliana and I can't split that up and then it's just like a four mana removal that's pretty bad but in a lot of places it's it's pretty sick in a world full of fables wedding announcements and just sagas in general I love unleash the inferno yep mono black it depends on how deep they went into the tank because a lot of them have started to go into three or four bankbuster main or split like a 2-2 two, two Bankbuster Unlicensed first thing. And I've seen some trying to use that one drop that turns into a 2-2. Two, two it's like a common, you know, so you, it's, you play it for one and then opponent loses a life and you gain a life and that happens on chapter two and that turns into a 2-2. Two, oh, two Okiba Reckoner Raids. Right. So I've Fuck seen yeah. I've seen mono blacks that are fucking with that and that are fucking with... Oh, that's so cool. ...with some vehicles so that they can consistently get both ends of soul transfer. Oh, I love that. Well, the problem is they just get wrecked, though. Oh, because yeah. then, yeah, all these cards are just better against them. Yeah, but I mean, in a vacuum where Unleash the Inferno is not popular, that's great tech. Like, Okiba Reckoner Raid, that's, that's a really smart move to go under people as well. But, yeah, and with Unleash the Inferno out, ah, you're getting two for one so hard now. Right. That's, that's a brutal shift for them that we're on four. So we, we have... Uh, also, we, we moved to mainboarding Unlicensed Hearse in the build, and I, I know that we're, we're trying different permutations, but I think we can agree that Unlicensed Hearse and Graveyard Removal is worthwhile in the 75, and some number between 1 to 3 are going to be in the 75 for some time now. I think you play 3 in the 75 no matter what. The question is how many of them are in the main. Mm -hmm. Right. Because... When you're playing against another Cruelty of Gix deck, you need to be able to control the graveyard at instant speed. And because it's Cruelty of Gix, you can just kind of see it coming because, you know, it's either the Saga's on the battlefield already yeah, or, oh shit, five mana and what do you know, a target. Yeah, and I mean, I'd say it opens us up in the mirror to their Unleash the Infernos, but at the same time, you still have to do it. And you also run Fables and other things they're going to hit anyway, so... It does. My point of view on that's been softening, though, because if they unleash the Inferno to kill, you know, a creature and your... that, then, like, they're leaving your Fable alone. Right. Something that they wanted to kill doesn't die. Right, you can because, overload them. Right, Jund Ultimatum is good because it cleans up the Jund cards. Right. So, you're, you're just... you're vulnerable to it already. I don't... I don't it's sort of like... You know, when we were playing Fatal Push at first and we were thinking about, you remember you try to just bring your curve up higher and higher so the, their Fatal Pushes weren't as good. Mm. And then you realize like, no, it's I just need to overload them and accept that I live in a world that Fatal Push exists. Oh, for Explore? Yeah. Don't try to fix for a perfect idea. Just realize that if you have multiple things, they only have so many copies. Sure, sure. 
Now the the way we left the deck, we had four cut down in the sideboard, but no one drops in the main. Why is that? Right now, this is not a one drop format where you need to worry about that sort of acceleration. Even mono red, because of how much incidental life gain there is from cards like Shieldred, <laughs> um, yes. eliminates a lot of what its early game power is for dropping those. So having the ability to go, oh man, if I don't turn one, answer their turn one two two creature with haste. Then by the time I I spend my mana, they're already having one two more creatures down by turn three. I'm flooded. That isn't happening, and so the cut downs themselves not only are not needed in the main of most situations, but I still think they might only... I'm might not, not sure even I like them in the board. board. Yeah. I'm not sure I even like them. I, it's a powerful card in the right matchup, so it would be hard to talk me out of having at least one. But the more that I'm thinking about this deck, the more I'm thinking about how you can just kind of swap out the bottom curve, the more I'm starting to think about why not just switch it. You know what does the job sideboard. well? I'll play a tenacious underdog and just chump block your creature well well i mean like same deal so i, I tried to fuck with the mana base because i took out you know wind grace mm. and i came back to the conclusion no you just leave it that way that's the mana base it needs to have i made one minor alteration that i've liked a lot i took the third forest out put one more haunted ridge in the main because we were running the uh, blood tithe adversaries and i wanted to help that slightly and one Which minus one's haunted ridge uh the black red one I wanted one less green source and one more on the black and red. So I added one slow land. And we still kept the six sources for the Riveter's Outlook to hit. And it, it worked very smoothly so far. Yeah, I kept that's, the fourth Carpulsion or something for... I debated one, the Carpulsion. For one of the red, rugged something. Is the red, green, slow land? Oh, Rock Vale. The Rock, rock vale. Fall Vale. Yeah, Rock Fall Vale. You, you yanked the third Carpulsion for the first Rock Fall Vale. I believe that was what I did. That makes but sense. I, yeah, I made two, yeah, two switches on Yeah, that like a land. good idea. The, the incidental life loss matters so much in a Shieldred world. Yeah, it really does. Sometimes Shieldred solos you, and another one life would have been another one turn. It's it's pretty unusual to have like a two life increment matter that much, but it matters right now. Yeah, it's the difference of seeing one more card, which is the game sometimes. So I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, given that we, we talked a little bit earlier about Lily of the Veil not being great against these blue-white decks, but Obnix was being better. We ended our sideboard with two Lilies, one Obnix. Do they just shift to three Obnix in the board? I think it ve may very well do so, but I think there also needs to be the increase of cards like Tenacious Underdog and uh, Raven Man. So you've got the Obnix list targets to sack to really make it abuse that situation. So where do you find the slots in the main? Do you push out an unlicensed Hurser too? Do you push out Terra Sunders? Because we have Blood Tide uh, adversaries and we I have get Raven Trespassers. Men's. You're giving up Trespassers? Yep. Really? I'm running two of those. Interesting. Do you put them in the board? Nope. Just two then? There's no matchup where I want them in the board in because the decks that are graveyard centric in there, you need instant speed removal to deal with their, their threats. Right. The Nothing's graveyard's really just nuking in. the graveyard either. It's taking one card, two cards. Yep. Um, are are you concerned about the clock that those represent and the difficulty to remove? Like it is a two for one classic card that presents a hell of a clock against. People them. aren't using as much targeted removal, especially on those as well. You're playing chump games. You'd run your graveyard trespasser into another trespasser. You run your trespasser. Oh no, they've got a shoulder, and I'm not attacking now. Or even wind grace five four. I'm not running into that. I guess to be fair, you the your blood tithe adversaries and your T dogs trade with trespasser as long as it's yep. daytime. So you get under them on that. I mean, this this format's not really set around someone getting to readily abuse day and night in it, because most folks can cast two spells in one turn, or skipping their turn doesn't mean that they actually skipped their turn. 
Interesting. Okay. So we're, we're looking at more of an Obnix world instead of a Lily, and the price is going to be trespassers to get T-Dogs is the idea here. I'm not sure. You know, just over the course of this conversation, I've been thinking about, because that was part of what Zero and I were talking about earlier today, is he you mentioned that you feel like you only need 11 cards in that sideboard. Yeah. And the low end of the curve is probably about the size of a sideboard. Now I'm just thinking about like, what if there's just one version of the deck that goes fast and one version of the deck that goes big and you tune them for the decks that that version is going to beat better. And then you keep like two cards in the sideboard for something else and just decide, do I think I'm going to win more game ones going fast or do I think I'm going to win more game ones going big? And if you're wrong, just switch it for game two and three. I would agree. I think, and a lot of people's strategies seem to still be uh, games two and three. What do you do? Well, the classic answers to anything mid-range is go bigger. Or actually even fuck going fast versus going big. Am I playing against Invoke or Farewell? And if then, I, if I'm and playing then against Invoke, your deck up for one or the other. Rhinos, great cards like that. The ones that incidental just advantage for them killing your stuff. That's... Yeah, I guess if you're going up against Farewell, you may want four Obnicks. You want Planeswalkers for sure. Yep. Yeah, but you may want the full playset and then all the T-Docs to make sure that you're just hitting it on curve. Like, take three, two Obnicks, go, you know. But then the Planeswalkers kind of get embarrassing when you play against Invoke. Right. And they just clean you the fuck up. Is Obnicks bad against Invoke, given yes. that it only wipes one of the two? If you had to sack your creature to get your two Obnixes out, let's say that uh, it's this normal situation. You're going to create your little 1-1 one, one devil and sure. then cause your discard because you want your stuff to be there and let's imagine that they don't have a threat out immediately to beat down and kill one of yours which is pretty rare when mono black has an empty board state just invoking to hope and pop one of your things yeah they usually curve pretty well most, most decks are going to be able to handle one of them in pretty short order and you can kind of close ranks around the other one hmm. invoke doesn't care that you've closed ranks it just gets them sure but farewell doesn't and it's kind of like the flip side is invokes not going to catch your vehicles but farewell is as well as with Mono Black. Um, I activate my Obnix. All right, I'll take two. Moving on, Shieldred. Oh, yeah, you don't have to discard. We learned that this week. <laughs> it was a hefty fucking toll, but we yeah. learned it. it definitely cost us. Why are we game. discarding Swamp? It's not that we learned it. We just kind of forgot how the card worked. So used to Lily. Just too yeah. used to Lily. Like three mana Walker goes up and you right. lose. Ah, damn it. it. There goes Lily. the card. <laughs> but that's, that's what I mean is it just doesn't have the staying power and. So you have to flip between the strategy of am I on the Planeswalker plan or am I on the go big plan? Fair, fair. Now, we have Cruelty of Gix in the deck. We have a really strong tutor. Do we want more one-ofs and interesting tutor targets in the sideboard or is it closing ranks around four of like Obnix and just four of the Duress or something? Things that we really need to see en masse. Are there specific the, targets you're looking at the tutor target targets are going to be better if they're five or more mana okay because you've already played your enchantment so you have five mana sure these are not enlightened tutors we're not grabbing it for free right this is this is happening late game and it's happening i mean probably because you played the first one i guess sometimes skipped straight to the second one it happens on occasion it's rare but i've seen it and it's right sometimes but I, I like tutor targets that are up the curve, like if it's going to be a meat hook massacre, for example, or if it's going to be um, something burn down the house, you know. Speaking of burn down the house, I'm a big fan of moving one of those back in Maine because really? those cap mono black well. Do they? 
I guess it does take Shielded and Graveyard Trespasser, Lilies, everything goes down. Lily. There's also some Jeskai decks that are trying to get a couple Planeswalkers in play at the same time. Mm -hmm. Okay. I and just five it. mana kill two Planeswalkers is worth doing. So what are you pushing out for the one burn down the house in the main? I'm taking the, the fourth Jund Ultimatum and moving it to side. Not the fourth Shieldred. No, that's going to be replaced with a Soren. Really? You're yeah. taking out Perpetual Rhino with the... Okay. okay. So there's some games that... Shieldred seemed correct at a four of, but I've seen enough games where I have one in play and I have another one in hand, and every once in a while they're just doing bigger things than that. Yeah, sometimes so they tighten you. They can just start kind of ignoring it, and you just wish this was another fucking card. Because when someone starts tightening, they don't just automatically win. No. You can still play through it, but not if, you know, like your big splashy four mana card will just blow up when it comes into play. So I, I think we go down to three and we possibly go down to two, but I want to try three for a while. And it follows the cruelty of Gix logic you were mentioning before. A few yeah. one ofs, a couple little change ups this way. If I didn't want to get the shielded, I could get a Soren if I felt I was fearful of a farewell. Or if I wanted to burn down the house to just make the fix here, boom. But that's say, about it. Can you say fearful of farewell yeah, ten you, times fast? Yes. <laughs> that was a that was that was a so, twister. So do we think we need uh two Terra Sunder in the main anymore, or is that more of a one of tutor target that we're looking at? I'm a big fan of the card. There's so much artifact enchantments. I have people have turned to Bankbuster, and I'm just whatever. Terra to Sunder. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> two is kind of my minimum. I want three, but I keep running out of slots. Okay. Fair enough. So we, we're keeping uh, the Meat Hook Massacre in the board in this scenario as a one-of, and are we placing another burn down the house in the sideboard or a second Meat Hook in the board? I think the second burn would before the second Meat Hook right now. Meat Hook's more for if people do run tokens decks or small decks, things like that, because I hate paying, uh, let's see, nine mana to try and Meat Hook a Titan. I do kind of like it against Mono Black, though, because they kind of come at you with a little bit more uh, aggression. And the incidental life gain you can get is going to matter more. And you're sort of a shielded mirror match. So the incidental life loss is going to matter a little more. Their creatures until they get to shielded are pretty manageable with it at like, you know, five mana. Yeah. And they, they do kind of go a little wide on some boards, but I also really like it because it sits in play and it keeps uh, invoke from drawing them yet another card. I'm I'm split on it mostly because burn down the house answers almost everything in their deck, but at the same time, the question is if you have enough room in the sideboard, and yeah. you fucking might. You might, you might. As we I talked, built an eleven card sideboard, so yeah, I just threw some extra cards in there. <laughs> so let's let's talk really briefly. Um, the Crokies list. What were the weak points in that build of the Jund? Because people will be trying different versions with teachings and Soul of Wind Grace. What what were the weak points of that? Mostly the cards in it. <laughs> <laughs> the the synergies that that deck was built around, uh, mostly those were the weaknesses. Uh, the mana base seems pretty okay. The, you know, Titan, Gix, uh, Fable, you, you just play that. You just do that. But I, I don't know. I mean, that deck didn't play Shieldred, right? So it, that's an L. Yeah, I, I think my biggest issue with it is that it relied on the reanimator plan to win the game. And if you didn't tighten, you pretty much got fucked. And I think that deck's strength was that was probably awesome for it a day. hit out, and no one was seeing it. You got you got like three good days out of that where right. people you, like, oh, okay. You can only run your combo deck that's not really interactive until everybody knows what you're doing. Because yeah, it's it's the pure power it out. We were getting a bunch of those real fast the first time we played it. Sure. 
But then people start seeing it and then they want to play it. And then you start seeing what cards actually suck once people are fucking with your game plan. And then, you know, things shift around. We started seeing main board unlicensed Hearse and then we were like, oh, fuck. So, yeah, for, for the day that he was playing it, it was, I'm sure it was hot fire. I still think that the Wind Grace, I want that to be a good card, but I, and maybe it is, but I don't think it's good in that deck. And, and you use a fool for not playing Shieldred. Yeah. Yeah, Shield, Shieldred is perpetual rhino. It's hard to say no to that. Like, if you were mono white, I'd want you to pause and consider, do I need to be? Because I could just add black, <laughs> and then my four drop's going to be better. It's a question of if you want to invoke justice. The white invoke is the biggest reason to be in white, because you can push a lot of pressure onto the board quickly. And using that in white invoke with uh, cards like Sarah Paragon and uh, Ao. It's it's a big game. Well, yeah, build build the amazing Mardu deck. Put in your four Invoke and your four Cruelty of Gix and go. That kind of reminds me of another thing too. I like having a Nemeta in the main. That's like the yeah. That's what I said too. It's, right. It's 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 kind of like Kalidus, but fixed. So it's a three four reach for black green two. When opponents creatures die, you get a one one Sapperling. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you can yeah. pay a green and sacrifice a sapperling to give the creature plus two, two, or you can pay black one, sack two sapperlings to draw a card. So the exile is pretty good in most situations, like better than you'd think until you start seeing the interactions happen, um, especially if people are playing that war chief thing. Also pairs well with burn down the house, weirdly. It pairs really, I mean, it, it, it completely fucks over underdog. It's only going to get one more swing. Um, making, making the sapperlings has, has been consequential, but my favorite use so far was my opponent didn't read it. Cause I don't know. Why would you, I guess. And <laughs> so four for a three, four, right. I don't know what that is. What, whatever. It's stupid. So I'm attacking with AO. So I just sacrificed my sapperling and made it a five, six and blocked. And it felt pretty fucking good. Yeah, there is that. I have played against that and it was really difficult to deal with. Uh, God, I played against an opponent that played that, just sat around for a while, and then meat hooked the whole board and ended up with nine sapperlings. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, and then if, <laughs> if they have enough green mana, they can just kill you. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was kind of wild. Okay, so what, what are the weak points of the current Jund reanimator build that we're we're seeing right now? I think we gotta figure out how to build it. I, I'm not seeing consistent builds of it. I've seen a lot of really cool ideas. Yeah. And I'm just trying to steal the best ones and shove them together. <laughs> I think right now we need to decide, is it really Jund Reanimator? Is this just incidentally, I can reanimate? Is it just Jund at this point? I think it's just Jund. Yeah. It's Jund with seven drops. We're not focused on that plan. No, not anymore. And getting to seven with this, this type of format is not difficult. It's kind of fun that it can turn for a Titan pretty easily. That's, I wouldn't call it easily. Come on, you just need Fable, Cruelty, Titan. That's a three-card combo, but it draws towards itself. Cruelty is five mana, though. Right, but the Fable token gets you there. So you oh, need right, to, right. So the Fable token has to live and swing. So that's three cards and uh, circumstances on it that you, you have to have you got to get pretty fucking for. lucky, but yeah, it that's, happens. That's not easy. It happens. If it happens even 5% of the time, it's a free win, pretty much. I don't, I don't know a lot of people that come back from turn four Titan. I've never done it. It's, it's powerful to have kind of like an eyewit. I sort of like it. Because to me, it feels like the way Grease Fang has been with Parhelion, except that you basically just lose when that happens. Right. You can come back from this. It's really fucking hard, but it's a lot easier than coming back from like a turn three Parhelion. Yeah, turn three Parhelion's almost... Uh, to be fair, though, Grease <coughs> Fang also suffers from the fact 
in Explorer that it doesn't have good synergy in the whole deck unlike this. This has just good grindy synergy. Right. The Grease Fang deck just falls apart if you Yeah, Grease Fang's suffering from a hangover. That's about the worst thing. The deck's going, ah. <laughs> Head hurts. Did I still kill you? Yeah. Titan, yep. Titan's good enough in this format that you just pay seven mana for it and you're just, you're happy with that. And people still scoop to just, oh, oops. Yep. I've done that. I Damn mean, sometimes it. you're just looking down what that is and like life totals, board states. <laughs> and they just trample, tap right? seven and play it. That's it. That's I can't deal with that. That's what so, everyone hovering over it looks for. Wait, it's it still has trample. Damn it. So is Titan the biggest game in standard right now? Are we, are we are we ready to officially announce that? I'm not. Okay. I haven't looked for a bigger game yet. If you if you mean the biggest game is in the biggest creature you want to reanimate, or do you just mean the biggest game is the like best the, strategy? The thing that goes over the top of everything else. The thing that you can't go over. Like Sultai Ultimatum was in what, what was that actually called? Eerie Ultimatum, something like that. Whatever it was, the Sultai one. It wasn't cruel. Yeah, I don't remember. It was. It might have been eerie. It, that was Which, the one that comboed, right? The right. It's it's like they cast it, they win. Yeah. If they if they grab the right shit, they just win. Yeah, they cycle through like omniscience and two other cards that yep. get them to omniscience. Right. And they and go nuts. There there wasn't a card that was bigger than that. That was just the biggest game in town. Or when it was that card that made birds and let you take more turns and you just played it a thousand times. Aaron's Epiphany. Right. That was the biggest game in town. So is is there a game bigger than Titan of Industry? Probably not, but maybe. I guess there's farewells. It costs less. Right, but my my point is it absolutely <laughs> sweeps up all of that shit. But it doesn't win. No. No, right. it doesn't. Like Titan of Industry is a win condition. How are the blue eyed decks winning these days? Uh, what uh, it's to ferry something, whatever that who slows or, the sunset. I I that he untaps the run in. I've yeah. seen what's the new lotus artifact thing. He comes into play tap. Yeah, I'm seeing those. Awesome. I'm seeing uh, uh, awesome. Celestis, the Teferi thing. So basically, what they're doing is suddenly going, oops, a bunch of mana, that silly draw card, and clock you out with. They're doing interesting like. things. They're actually the the Teferi that's been bad it's until good now. now. <laughs> I. I hear tell it's it's even expensive. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, like the well, Shieldred cracked. rotated and Kaldheim rotated and Ecoria rotated and it it like it unlocked a whole year. <laughs> well, that's good. We were hoping to see that anyway. I mean, fuck, that's what we hope for every rotation. This is this is why I'm not sure there's a bigger game because there's so many cards that are totally unexplored. There's so many cards not just in the new set, but in the sets from the last year that I don't even fucking remember and probably haven't even read. Yeah, there's that Cultivator big card that doesn't do anything. Uh, what was the Demir card, the uh, Spider? You know what I'm talking about? The five mana legend, four, four, three, blue, black. Uh, it's like Koroth the Spider, and I believe it exiles a card from a graveyard and then cranials them for that card. Oh, dude, yeah, I've seen that. That looks fucking dope. I was wow. thinking about that versus Titan decks where they dump one in the grave and you're like, no more for you anyway, and I get the first one because you get to cast the first one that you get out of it. Interesting. That does seem pretty good. I was thinking about that today with Titan. I want to look at that. Yeah. Because I didn't know that card existed. And I think stealing your opponent's cards with how strong everyone's cards are <laughs> might be an interesting aspect. I like the idea of putting Cranial on a creature, though. But yeah. So, like, you don't name it, right? You've got to get it out of the bin? You have to, yes. That's still, it's well positioned for that. Yeah, because you're in Demir Colors. You can make them discard this shit if you need to. Huh. So, it, it just different angles, different angles. Demir might have some interesting stuff. It can be played in Esper, and that's where I saw it was an Esper build with Rafines and Spiders. But so let's make sure be... not to get away from the obvious. Your base is black. Yeah, the base yeah. is going to be black for almost every tier one deck. Not yep. all of them, but almost every one. 
because what do you have? You have Rakdos with Obnixies. You've got Shieldred and everything. Shieldred is Shieldred straight up. Just straight up. You have Shieldred. Shieldred is, you need yeah. 16 black sources to consistently cast that by turn four. Oh, yeah. Karsten math. It's, it's a high demand, and we don't have pain lands for black blue. Or black green. So, yeah, if you're going Demir, though, you're going to have to be black centric. The man is not that or, or everything comes in tapped. Mm. And I don't know, like there's I remember there being a Demir deck some years ago that was heavily in both colors and there weren't good duels for it at the time. And it was like 27 fucking land. And basically every land came in tapped, but the deck worked. And it was winning with Pearl Lake Ancient or some shit like that. Oh, I remember that. Hmm. All right. Um. Last piece to cover here. Qualifier play-in points, are they worth going after? I don't and know what they are. So those are the ones you get for doing the proverbial trophies that they ported from MTG over, MTGO over to Arena. That, that was kind of the thing that they decided to reship. So qualifier play-in points are ways to gain. If you get 20 of them, you get a free entry for the play-in to the MIQ. Not the MIQ itself, the play-in. And I, I was doing some of the math on this, and I don't think the math actually works out. I don't think these events are worth running because what you need are 20 of these points, right? It costs you 5,000 gold to enter a traditional event, which is best of three events in any of the formats, historic, standard, explorer, whatever the fuck. If you get to, I believe it's five wins, you get three of the qualifier play-in points and your money back. You get, uh, it's only 2,500 for an entry to a BO1 event, and you get one point if you get to seven wins right but if you just want to do the damn qualifier play in it's only 20,000 gold so if you've done this uh four times these traditional events but don't they roll over they they do roll over forever so there's where the advantage lays yeah maybe you just rack them up and it's it's really not so much a plan but like a you know fifth one's free kind of punch card we get how many for finishing in the top 1200 right now four 20 20 you get a free qualifier play, and if you just finish in the top twelve, and that's my point is, I think it's more worth your time to grind the ladder because you get a you get an actual qualified. If you end up in the top two fifty, you get twenty qualifier points for the top twelve hundred, or you can try to grind them out on these events where you're paying money. I think the question is, which one do you like more? I mean, I I will say that these events tend to have tighter play than the ladder. The ladder is a lot looser. Yeah, fuck the ladder, dude. When I'm on the ladder and the game's just like starting to piss me off, I just scoop. Fuck it. Right. If I'm, I'm playing an event, like those those losses matter. I want to get to the end. I've scooped to go get a beer. I mean, I've done that too, but <laughs> then you're winning, right? Because we're looking at the utiles you get from leaving to drink versus the utiles you get from staying to play, which is why I kind of like never keep track of these qualifier things because all they do is set you up to play magic like on Saturday, no matter what you had planned. There is that. There is that. Uh, there's also the fact that n none of these events cues you for the MIQ directly, which to me is the biggest error they've made with them, because if I'm trying to grind out... Wait, hang on, hang on. Do you think you've identified a biggest error that Wizards has made? <laughs> in in this system for the for queuing, this is the one... Yeah, to me, this is the mistake they've made on the queue. How, how can they have one that's bigger than any other? <laughs> I mean, like, they have smaller mistakes, but there's so many doozies. Yeah, it is wizards. It is wizards. I guess my point at the end of this is to let people know um, I would just grind the ladder. I think the ladder is far more worthwhile for what you are trying to do. If you're trying to qualify, 
unless you are trying to get high-end levels of testing, at which point you'd probably be better taking stuff from the ladder and doing testing within your own group. Oh, shit. So you know how like going up a ladder, like firemen go up a ladder? Sure. What do firemen go down when they're trying to go quickly? A fucking oh. pole, right? So if you're grinding, but you're losing, you're not grinding the ladder, you're grinding the pole. <laughs> and you know you got to sell it to get back in it. Uh, hot take number two. Not only is there BBE, there are poles. And you're grinding down them. Pole grinding, yeah. I, I think it's fine to play the qualifier point things because they roll over. And if you want that higher level of play, a lot of folks don't have the free time to grind rank enough because it, it doesn't matter how much you play ranked. If you don't have time at the end of the month, you're going to get knocked out. Or if you don't have budget either, you know, because if, yeah. if you can't get all these fucking mythics and tier one shit, you're, you're not going up. You're, you're, you know, like say you're in college, you don't make that much money. You're probably going to grind the pole. But then how would you have enough money to build a deck for the qualifier? You play? built one. One deck. But you, you still have to replay money to play on the qualifier. Yeah, you get play. daily. You get. You can get like nine hundred gold a day. Yeah, if you don't buy the the. Yeah, fancy there's a things, lot of stuff. You don't buy those little aesthetic things. But in that scenario, you're grinding enough to get nine hundred a day, which means you have enough time to grind. So why aren't you on the ladder? Because ladder play, you have to pay attention to finish all of your missions and all of that. You can you could play on your phone and click and not pay attention over and over and over. Look, some people just want to grind the pole in college, and I think you should let true. Them. <laughs> Okay. You know, there's other ways to grind in college, but some people just want to grind the pole. Fair enough. Fair enough. Two two opinions on this one. I'm sticking with mine. I don't think those events matter at all because your your top twelve hundred finishes still give you the twenty qualifier play in points that do carry over in perpetuity. Same as the events. It means there's twelve hundred players out of how many people are mythic at the end of each month? Fifty K? Is it really that high? I don't know. I'm I'm sure it's I'm sure it's more than 10,000, more than 20,000, because everyone and their brother makes that. Yeah, I mean, you just have to spend enough time fucking around, you'll end up in Mythic. Fair enough, fair enough. I guess numbers-wise, I never think about it, because we just finish in the top 1,200 all the time. But Who's this we? It's a fucking fluke when I do it. It's directly related to how good fucking Jund is. Well, you'll be doing John good for a while then. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I was like, you might just end up queued for a damn MIQ. Probably. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that machine head deck going tier one in Explorer brought me to like fucking 33 yep. from maybe gold in one week. <laughs> the last time I tried on the ranked ladder was before they switched things over so I could make sure to get my free queue. I wasn't trying, though. I yeah. was just having fun. Yeah. Like, that's... I don't know. That's 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 why I think the both ways are are dumb because it's the you're gonna do better if you have more fun. Sure, sure. I mean, if you're not enjoying playing Magic, what are you really doing? You don't have to play the game. So. I think you'll win more too. You'll definitely care more, and in the right way, not in the I'm gonna flip a goddamn table. Which I I, will, I do like that Arena has allowed for way more table flipping, but only at your own expense. That's kind of lovely. You want to flip a table? Go for it. It's your table. <laughs> you own it. Oh, like literally my... at home, like flipping yeah. the table that has yeah. like your laptop or something on it. Yeah. Well, I play on my phone, and just <laughs> throw it aside. Who cares? Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you throw your deck too. Uh huh. Just throw your phone at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we You'll should do for the graphic. You know what I mean? Instead of throwing a deck, have it throw a phone across the screen. <laughs> Lick it off over behind you. Like, just yeah. whip a fucking phone at somebody. <laughs> but uh, which which is one of the unfortunate things, though the mtg server is still really glitchy on the phone so you have a lot of matches where 
you get a freeze logout and you just lose a turn or two in the game. See, I haven't had any issues with it on mine, but I'm, you know, iPhone. So maybe it's different. I don't know. Can yours even play magic? Yeah, they finally updated it two years ago. (laughs) I had to wait, but two years ago, they were like, also iOS. And I was like, really? And it has like almost no glitches. It's wonderful. I will put that to the test. I We're thought you got Mac stuff so that like you paid a little bit more because you don't know how to not get viruses. There's that too. I kept giving PCs AIDS and that was the end. It was real bad. I kept killing them in college. It's not really hard to upkeep a computer as long as you don't open all of those emails from the prince that wants to borrow money from you and have a one night stand. That Nigerian prince was a man of honor and decency and sent me all sorts of fun, nice things. What happened to him wasn't his fault at all. No. I'm still trying to get him out of it. Exactly. Exactly. And you combine that with, well, probably one too many porn sites and that's the end of that computer. What number is that when it reaches one too many? One too many? Usually the second one. Once you started saving tabs. Yeah. One too many. Once you bookmark shit, you know you're fucked. They're like the cookies are just sitting there like you're coming back though, bitch. And we know it. Oh, no yeah. cookies. And everyone, you They're take your biscuits, I think <laughs> your cookies clear every time you close your browser. And if you're not doing that, open your settings and do it. I've never done that. Literally ever. This is why you break <laughs> this explains <all> electronics. <laughs> we may need to change some stuff on the computer upstairs. Just FYI. I don't think we've even cleaned that thing in 15 seconds. We've had that computer for over a year and I don't think we've cleaned anything on it ever. I don't think we've even defragged it. I hope that computer's never been used for crankdown. Oh God, no. No, no, no. So that it's a lot safer. It's a lot safer, yes. I think the worst thing that computer's seen was watching an Iowa Hawkeyes game last week. That's the worst thing it's seen. It's seen a lot of abstinence in terms of porn. (laughs) It Abstinence has worked for that computer so far. Yeah. But only because there are so many other ways to be slutty. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. So, like, you know how in in like animal years, like how how much is one year in cat years? Is that like seven years? I don't know how that works. Actually, it's something like that. Seven or nine. Because it was of like their, dogs their and lifespan, cats it's, it's different as it goes, right? Because like an older cat or dog, that it gets shorter. Sure. And their development's a lot faster on the front end, and that's kind of part of how you track it. So, what are computer years? Like what's the first year in how many year in years in computers one year from three years it's seventies. Yeah, I think it's almost twenty five years a year. Like it's it's probably like twenty. Not your computer. Oh a computer. Fifteen. Ten, somewhere in there. It's at least ten, fifteen. Yeah. Just with how fast technology upgrades. Now and obsoletes. Now here's the interesting thing. Computers have a much longer lifespan. Like my work computer, I've been using it for more than a decade. Well, I guess those cookie settings really paid off, didn't they, fucker? Yeah, there's no por- there's no porn that enters that thing. <laughs> yes, I've only had to replace a few computers uh, at work, and both were for boomers. So you do the math on who opened what tabs. That's people opening their their email account and hey, what's this? It has an attachment that says, "Open me." This is the lottery this is the irs oh and they open it and it's just oh, if you don't well. open this you'll go to jail oh and yeah everyone you know will die crazy <laughs> stuff like that and people in fact if you don't forward it after you open it if you didn't want this email click this link here and we'll yeah. stop sending you this oh i should do that oh my Man, you the, think 
Joe Biden can suck your balls. <laughs> <laughs> click here and Joe Biden's going to have to suck your balls. Only true patriots will click here. Only true patriots will click this Joe Biden <laughs> sucks my balls link. I love that. Uh, I, I have to have that talk with boomers more than more often than I should. I'm like, stop using it for these things. But when it comes to anyone in our age group, millennials, I'm like, okay, no, just n- no porn. And they're like, no shit. I have a phone. I'm like, yep, that's what everybody does. That's in our age group. They get on their fucking phone and people are actually getting double phones. They have their normal phone. Then they have their backup phone. I do too. (laughs) Well, they're named wife and girlfriend (laughs) mistress (laughs) wife and the guma, the guma guma for the Friday nights. (laughs) Yeah. We can't afford to have it like they did back then. We have inflation. So we have phones. (laughs) Your guma is your phone now. It's your OnlyFans, the the one thing you paid for, right? (laughs) Your mistress is an OnlyFans page. Welcome to the new world. Imagine translating that whole idea, though. So, like, you go out with all the boys and you grew my phones (laughs) (laughs) to the club. I guess that's kind of the way it is. I don't know. Oh, my God. Yo, man, you want to trade gumas tonight? (laughs) I bet my tabs are better than yours. I mean, I know mine are better, but I just want to see different ones. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah, that, that'll do for the dark stream. <laughs> you filthy animals. Oof. Oh, fuck. Bye then. Bye <laughs> then.